Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. I'm Jamie Eisner, joined by... This, this is your wow, cue. we have to say our own names so this now? Is your cue, I'm just Craig. not used to this. I have to introduce myself. It's uh, Craig Morgan joining you from St. Louis. Yes, Craig is not a robot. He is on the road calling in. That's why his voice is slightly different. But you probably I'm just repeat the same thing I just said. Yeah, so you think I am a robot? Yes, yeah, so, but you probably won't. Uh, you probably won't hear him chewing on this episode. I don't believe he is eating currently, but I could be wrong. Nope, I'm standing in the middle of a ballroom at the hotel where I'm staying. I'm actually on the dance floor. Ah, already enjoying yourself, eh? <laughs> I'm I'm solo. Sad, sad. Well, let, 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 let's move on <laughs> before I make it another terrible bad joke here. Uh, so a couple things happened in, in Coyote's land recently. Uh, one of them just off the top of my head. Oh, Shane Doan is gone. Yeah, the Coyotes uh, announced that they are parting ways with Shane Doan. Doan said he was informed over the weekend. They told me Oliver Ekman Larson was going to be the captain, and they were, they were basically cutting ties with everything old and moving in another direction. This one, obviously, is going to hit the Valley hard. I think it's hitting the hockey world hard, judging by the text messages that I'm getting from around the league. I think people are pretty stunned that it went down the way it did. This is a guy who, as one source said, took bullets for this franchise for 10 years, and they just tossed them aside like trash. That's, that's probably how a lot of people in the Valley are feeling right now. Shane Doan has been the ultimate foot soldier for this franchise. He wanted to come back. For one more season I, look I get what went down last year he didn't play very well he's clearly at the end of his career and there's certainly an argument to be made that that Shane in fact I made it myself last year for FanRag Sports after he signed his one-year deal I said he should return the favor now by walking away gracefully unfortunately it didn't go down that way and you just you just hate to see not only a Coyotes icon, but a Valley icon just tossed aside like this. It is quite simply a PR nightmare for the Coyotes, who don't need any more hits to the franchise right now with all that's been going down. Yeah, it's the, the unfortunate intersection of the business side of sports with the passion side of sports, where, you know, as I tweeted out earlier, it's the correct move on the ice. If we focus just directly on what, what's in front of us on the ice, I think we've all commented before that, it just doesn't look like Shane Doan has it anymore to be a everyday top nine forward that he wants to be in the role he wants to play. But he did take a lot of bullets for the franchise. He was the face of the franchise for more than a decade. He was the guy that was out there in the community often in owner, ownerless and tough times for the franchise. He is the player who took less money reportedly to stay in Phoenix instead of going to Vancouver or to Buffalo or some of the other teams that were reported offers. So there's that whole question of what does Shane Doan owe the Coyotes? What do the Coyotes own, owe Shane Doan? And I think the, the abruptness of the decision, the bluntness of the decision, and, and I think that you looked at the Andrew Barraway statement, it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily ice cold, but it's not exactly warm and cuddly either. This, this seems more like uh, a release for a player that's been around five or six years versus somebody that's been with the franchise every second it's been in Arizona. Yeah, and it doesn't help that it, the statement is coming from the owner who, who really doesn't have great ties to Arizona or understand really the, the breadth of the significance of Shane Doan on this, this franchise. You know, and, and Andy Barraway can't help that, obviously, but yeah, you, you, you would have liked to have seen it go down a, a little differently. I think they could have waited 
a little longer? Could, could we have done this after the even after the draft? Was it so necessary to announce this right now? I, I don't know about the timing. Again, I think this is a PR nightmare for them. You, you, in a way, you wish Shane had walked out gracefully. We wish last season had been that season where we could have celebrated him all year. But on the other hand, you understood why Shane came back for another year. He scored 28 goals the previous season and led the team. So there was something left there in his mind. I mean, he showed it statistically. So you get why he came back, but then to have this season go down the way it went down and then have him try and come back for another season after what was honestly a poor season. It's, it's just it's tough all around of you. The optics on this are just terrible. Yeah, and as we've talked about, with the situation the team's currently in as well, they've missed the playoffs for the last five years. They're not any threat to make the playoffs this coming season. There were very few things fans felt they could latch on to, and good or bad, fans identified with Shane Doan. They identified what he stood for. They recognized him. So he was the face of hockey in the Arizona market. And even though he has lost a couple steps as he's aged, and again, he's 40 years old. I don't think that's a – it's, it's just what happens as a sportsman when you play. It, at some point, father time catches up to you. But it, it just – it's the, the abruptness of it ending in the mix of the ownership switchover, in the mix of you just traded Mike Smith, in the mix of you haven't won in forever – it's just kind of a toxic combination. It just kind of adds to the pile of frustration for fans out here in the desert. Yeah, and there, you know, there are conflicting reports out there right now um, of whether he's been offered a position in the organization moving forward. Some people have told me yes. His agent, Terry Bross, told me, told me he's not aware of any offer of a position at this point. So I, it, I've seen this. You, we've seen this happen before in other markets. Uh, Getting to Arizona itself, I remember when Adrian Wilson, when the, when the Cardinals cut ties with him, that was, that was a tough move. He wanted to come back. He's also an icon of the franchise. Eventually, people get over these things. You assume they get over it at least, uh, you know, if there's goodwill on both sides, which I think there will be moving forward. But right now, a lot of emotion flowing out there in the Valley, and, and I understand all of it. Even, even from the fans' perspective, I, I get it. This, this, this guy has meant so much to this franchise, so... Just go ahead and vent a little. It probably just feels good to do so. Yeah, I, th- I think it's healthy to do so. And I think I, the biggest thing I think I take away going forward is some of the statements from, from Terry Bross that, that you released on your Twitter account, which you could see at, uh, is it Craig S. Morgan? I forgot what your exact handle That's is. That's correct. Ah, see, I guess. See, I, we, need, we need Luke Lipinski here so we can, the, the smooth sounds of Luke to like flow through. I'm a terrible host. But uh, that it looks like that Shane Doan is now very adamant about playing next season. And I think we talked a little bit about should he, should he not. We, start, we started to hear rumblings about him maybe being interested in coming back next season. Seems pretty adamant he's going to play, so he's going to have to play somewhere else. I, do, you know, in your mind, do you think that we – talked, we talked a little bit ago about he wouldn't take a lesser role, didn't really, want to, didn't really want to be a fourth-line player. Do you see a top-nine position for him out there, or do you think now it's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm determined to play one more season? I think it's it's too soon to, to say, to be honest. Shane told me himself it's, it's just too raw right now. We, we'll, we'll talk again uh, when he can think more clearly. Um, his agent obviously told me that he, he intends to play, but we'll see how this shakes out. I, I, you know, Jamie, I find it hard to believe that there is that sort of role out there for him. There wasn't at the trade deadline. There may have been a couple teams interested in him as a, a, a fourth-line player or even a guy that was in and out of the lineup. I helped scratch some nights, but... Uh, in a top-nine role, it's hard to envision Shane Doan at this point. Maybe he'll look at that 
down down the, the road a few days and say, hey, that's not really a role that I want to be in, so we'll call it a career. Or maybe he will be so determined to prove them wrong that he'll come back for another year in that sort of role. I, I just don't know yet. Like I said, it's just too raw for him right now. Which makes sense. And again, I'm assuming it will also depend on you know what teams might be interested. Who, who are who are the players in that market? Where is the market? I mean, there, there's got to be a million things swirling through Shane Doan's mind right now, and we'll find out soon enough. But uh, now that we got him back in, let's uh, let's bring in Luke Lipinski here to talk a little bit about the other Coyotes move. Uh, Mike's, oh, hey, Luke. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. What's going on, Craig? Hey. Hey. Did you get your coffee, or is this does this have to do with your contract? You don't do uh, past a certain amount of minutes. I don't do shows without coffee. I refuse to do the full show. And since nobody was here to bring me coffee, I figured I'd sit out the first 15 minutes. So that's, that's what you get. Let me be. Let me apologize then for not being there to bring you coffee. Unless you're on your way to pick it up, you're just picking it up from Chicago. Is that what's going on? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, good. All right, where are we going here? We're going to talk uh, well, about Mike Smith off to Calgary. Uh, as we've talked, if you've listened to the show before, you know who the GM of the Calgary Flames is and B. what the connection is to the Arizona market. And he was here when Don Maloney was general manager and signed Mike Smith to that deal. So he knows what he's getting in Mike Smith. Calgary needs a goaltender. They tried Brian Elliott last year. That failed miserably. So let's try again. Yeah, that's and that's that's pretty much the size of it right there. Uh, you know, they've they've had a, a, a bad experience with goaltending the last couple seasons in Calgary. Mike Smith is a known commodity to uh, Brad Tree Leaving. He knows he knows who he is. He he admires his competitiveness. He, he's obviously seen Mike at his best, as well as a little bit at his worst. But uh, you know, he's not concerned about the age. He thinks that this will sort of re-energize Mike and, and help them at a, a position of need. Obviously, we'll see whether that plays out, but. That was Brad's thinking on all of this. So, Craig, if you look at this, just the big picture here over the last week or so, I mean, we expected so many moves to go down before that trade freeze, or, or at least, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say so many moves, but I just expected a lot more activity. And I understand stuff can still happen and stuff feasibly will happen and be announced on Wednesday night. But essentially, the only big moves were the Mike Smith trade and the Jonathan Drouin trade. Was that a surprise to either one of you guys? Well, I, maybe we should have just used the uh, regular trade deadline as precedent for how we would view this because there was so much talk. There's always so much talk at the trade deadline about all the deals that are going to go down, and that it's always disappointing. So maybe this is just more of the same. Maybe we'll see a bunch of stuff filter out in the next couple of days because Vegas is involved in so much. I don't know yet. But, yeah, I guess personally I'm surprised that a little more didn't happen. And, and even on the Coyotes front, I know they wanted to do more than they did, and it probably would have changed the way their you know protected list looked had they been able to accomplish some of those things. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the right direction to go here with this now. I mean, the mixed reactions from Coyotes fans that, you know, on the one hand, you're, you traded away your number one goalie. On the other hand, he's 35 years old. Is he going to be the guy when this team really reaches the level they want it to reach? You know, it, there's, there's a, a pretty good case to be made for trading Mike Smith, but is there going to be another trade or move coming down the line here? Because obviously... That seemed like part one of, of, a, of a bigger deal. Well, and we think a yeah. lot of these moves that have been made since the trade deadline are part one of bigger deals. Yeah. And again, there's time to be had and there's time for these deals to be made. But that's what we're continuing to look for. What is that second step? What is the third step? What is the big plan? And not only what is the plan, but can it be executed? It's one thing to have an idea of what you want to do and try to do it. Can it be executed? And that will be the telltale sign of whether or not this is a successful venture overall or not. That's exactly right, and that's to, to, to look at the Coyotes once again, since they just dealt Mike Smith and obviously need a number one goaltender right now. 
John Trico was very frank on the conference call he did yesterday in saying, yes, we are in the market for a number one goaltender. They think they're good. there are a lot of interesting names that came out on the unprotected list. They might be able to work a deal for one of those guys. There's also some interest in the free agent market from goalie, the goalie standpoint. So we'll have to wait and see. Again, judge the Coyotes' moves in their entirety once they are complete. Then we can get a better picture of what this is all about. But getting back to Mike Smith, I know this one stung a lot of fans as well, not quite probably as much as Shane Doan, but John Tyka was very frank in saying what you just pointed out, Luke. Look, this is a 35-year-old goaltender who probably, as John put it, he's going to be on the wrong side of his career once these young guys on the Coyotes roster reach the point where they're established, mature NHL players, and maybe this team gets good. You know, that's hard to hear maybe, and, and, and you can say Mike was their best player last year, and aren't they trying to win right now? Well, yeah, they're trying to win right now, but Mike was tying up a lot of money. They feel they can reallocate it in other places. And let's not forget who Mike Smith was the four seasons before this. We know he had that great run to the conference, conference final in 2012, and he had a good year last year. You can certainly argue he was their best player last year. But what about the four seasons before that? I think it was James Myrtle from uh, – the Athletic Toronto, who tweeted this out. I think Mike Smith, over the last four seasons, is 40th in the NHL in save percentage. Mike Smith wasn't playing well for a long period of time here in Arizona, so let's not overvalue. I think fans tend to overvalue their own players. Let's not overvalue Mike Smith's impact on the Coyotes. To me, I got John Chica's logic perfectly on this trade, and to be honest, I also thought that it got fair value for him. I know John had come out and said, you know, he has high value. And he's, he's trying to set the market. Every GM will say that sort of thing. But as John said on the conference call yesterday when I asked him, how do you measure Mike's market value? He said, well, you make a lot of calls to all the guys not on his no trade list, and then the market tells you. And this is what the market told John Chica about Mike Smith's value. Yeah, and I think a lot of the outrage surrounding the Mike Smith trade is just is not only overblown, but I think is just false. And I think it comes from a place of frustration with other issues, not necessarily issues with the Mike Smith trade. I mean, he was, to call him polarizing among the fan base is maybe too nice of a word. There were a lot of fans that resented Smith because of the deal he had, because he wasn't the goaltender that he was the first season in the Valley. Uh, I, I agree with Craig. I think they got market value for him. They got out of 75% of that deal the rest of the way. They freed up some cap space. More importantly, they freed up actual dollars. And they got another asset they can probably use in a trade down the line. Uh, I don't have a big issue with this because, again, they're not going to compete next season. By the time they are ready to compete, Mike Smith was going to be out of his contract and probably not somebody you were looking to re-sign anyway at, at the, what that age would be. I, I think this is just another step, but I can understand fans being frustrated with the overall, we're tired of hearing of the rebuild, we're tired of hearing about, well, we'll be good in three or four years, we want to see some action. But overall, this is a move you make for a team in the situation the Coyotes are currently in. I think, too, yeah. it, it, will, it will be easy. I mean, it's just if you look at the list of free agent goalies out there, there's Brian Elliott, there's Jonathan Bernier, I don't know that Ryan Miller would make a ton of sense, but I mean, there's, there's names like that out there, but to Craig's point, there's a ton of, of, of pretty intriguing goalies that weren't protected and so maybe you can swing a deal with Vegas that we just won't know about until Wednesday or maybe you make a deal leading up to the draft. I just Mike Smith did a, a ton for this franchise. I mean every Coyotes fan's going to remember that run in 2012 and he was right at the forefront of it, but at the same time you don't want to be playing in 2018 thinking about 2012. So I understand why this move was made, but I also understand why fans might be a little upset about it until there's actually uh, the the corresponding move that gives them their goalie for next season. Just to put both of your thoughts together, yeah. I, I mean, 
what, what happens if the Coyotes get a goalie now, maybe from that unprotected list that we just saw, a number of interesting names? What happens if they do that? What happens if they get a right wing like Pontus Aberg who can play both sides? What happens if they get a guy like Derek Stepan from the Rangers? And there is, there is interest there as well. How does the picture change for fans then? So, again, wait to judge until we're through the draft and we know everything that's on the Coyotes' plate, everything that they're planning. But, again, to Jamie's point, I get where fans are coming from, too, because after the Martin Hansel trade at the trade deadline, to me, I know the national narrative was, wow, they got a steal from the Wild. To me, it was, okay, we're pushing the future out once again, and that's hard for fans to hear when the team hasn't made the playoffs in five years, when there's been all this ownership stability, and now Andy Barraway is, is the sole owner of the team, and when they still don't have an arena. You can understand fans' perspective on all of this. Let's, uh, let's look at that other trade that happened, too, a few days ago. Jonathan Drouin goes from Tampa Bay to Montreal in exchange for Mikhail Sergachev. That's, that's basically the trade. I mean, there's a couple picks that might come into play. But that, <laughs> that's a pretty big name getting dealt right there within the division, too. Yeah, we've talked about this before with different players. It's one of those things, just to bring it back locally for a second before we look big picture, of you wonder why. And, again, the Kiders don't really have a defenseman of that level, that, of that caliber, they're willing to trade in a deal like that. They're not going to move Ekman Larson, almost period. They're probably not moving Chitrin for almost anything, and definitely not for a trade like that. So they don't really have that other defenseman to offer up. But, boy, you see another high-end, high-ceiling forward on the move at a reasonable price, and yet, again, the Coyotes can't or aren't involved. I'm surprised there weren't more teams involved driving that price up. I mean... And I understand that there was there was sort of complicating factors where Tampa Bay, their their whole reason to make the move was that they needed a defenseman or somebody that they didn't have to protect, somebody that was exempt. And Sergachev obviously fits that. So they, you know, not only do you get Sergachev, you get Nemesnikov or another guy that you're able to protect uh, essentially for Drewan. So I, I get that, but I'm just surprised there weren't other teams that were able to step in. And look, Drewan's a winger. Specifically for the Coyotes, maybe you don't necessarily have him at the top of your priority list, although you would find room for him. But there's 29 other teams around the league that I think could use a guy that might put up 70 points. What did you guys think of the trade itself? You know, I, I know that a lot of people are like, wow, that's all, that's all it took to get Duan. But, you know, Steve Eiserman believes that Sergachev could be a top-pairing defenseman. So a couple of years down the road, we may be looking back on this and saying, oh, okay, now I get it. I I, I, look, Eiserman, most of the, the moves he's made, he earns the benefit of the doubt in my mind. And obviously, Sergeyev was, was drafted as such as a number one defenseman when he was taken last year. And, and I think there is something to be said for the fact that we, we're all talking about Jonathan Drouin like he's almost a point-per-game player. He had 53 points last year. I mean, that's good, but it's not amazing. But if you just put both players in front of me and said, pick one for your team, I think I'd still take Drouin. Uh, well, before we get back to this conversation, I, I want to just look at something right now. So is the this TV's a wrestling on. analogy? Well, no, 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 oh. no, because the TV's on out here. Okay. Craig Morgan is on the phone with NHL Network and on the phone with the Natty Hattie podcast simultaneously. <laughs> is he really? So is this the – I'm on with NHL story? Network? That's what, I've been, that's what I've been told. Or they use your tweets or something because they have like three messages to say, hey, Craig's on NHL Network right now from well, multiple that's, people. That's, that, that's news to me. Well, well, you have two phones, don't you? I mean, Jamie and I are talking so much, you could probably do a second yeah, I guess it's anyway. just a tweet of yours. I asked for clarification. My, my sourcing is not good. Oh, you got to work on your sources. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they just use your tweets. I was going to say, there's an imposter out there. Either that or... Or the country imposter. music singer. Yeah, we can't really prove okay. that this is actually Craig Morgan. 
Uh, he's, you know, he's closer to Nashville than he's been, so maybe this is the Craig Morgan. Let's ask him some questions. Craig, how do you feel about Barbara Streisand or drinking out of random mugs around the studio? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, okay, ah. so it's not Craig. Mm. All right, well. Yeah, I'm mm. casting doubt on this now. We should, did we did sh- I just hear you call the other guy the Craig Morgan, by the way? Uh, <laughs> you did no comment. <laughs> Cut me deep. You've been gone for a while. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked we even remembered your name. So <laughs> oh, It's like three days. We appreciate <laughs> Things move quickly here. How many stories have broken since you left? So we should point out that that Craig is somewhere on the way to Chicago for the NHL draft on uh, Friday and Saturday. Jamie and I will be in Vegas tomorrow and Wednesday for the expansion draft and the uh, awards show. So the expansion draft protected lists were released yesterday. Any, any specific names stand out to you guys? And I know that, that some of these names might be out there, but they might not really be there because teams may have already worked out a deal uh, with Vegas. It sounds like Columbus has potentially done that. But I, I tell you, off the, just looking at the lists, Vegas, I think, could put together a, 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 at least a half-decent roster for next year if that's the path they go down. I'll let you go first on this one, Jamie. Well, I think one of the, the surprising ones was a lot of it was in net and what Detroit did with exposing Peter Morazic, which, again, I don't, still don't quite understand. But part of the problem here is I think we're also dealing with an incomplete picture. We don't know all of the under-the-table deals that are going on right now that are just not public yet but have been put into place. And that might explain some of the bigger names that were left exposed. It might explain why a guy like Ryan Reeves was protected by the Blues. For if which if there's not a deal in place there, I can't even fathom the logic behind that. But that's a whole different story. Uh, but I, I think we'll see. I want to judge it after we see what some of these deals with Vegas are and see okay who's really out there and been exposed versus who's being exposed because they know Vegas isn't going to take them. Can I just say ditto on that? Yeah, you can. Does that add anything? That would that would keep Does the podcast under four hours if you did that. <laughs> I like it. There's like two birds with one stone. That I mean, that is exactly how I feel. I just don't know what Vegas has working, all the deals that might be working right now, so it's really hard to judge right now. A, a couple names, though, that I, I, I don't feel like we're attached to deals are James Neal. I guess maybe, but if, if James Neal's out there, that's the sort of guy you take, right? And Jonathan Marcheseau in Florida, who I just I don't feel like they maybe had a way to, to hold on to him, but that's a guy that's not even making a million dollars next year that might get you 30 goals. I mean, there are some names that, that Vegas pretty clearly is going to take unless there is a, a deal, a side deal out there. Yeah, and even with that, you, you wonder what a deal would have to be for to, to avoid taking players like that. You know, you, there's, there's some building up some goodwill. I mean, it's not like McPhee hasn't been a general manager before, and this is, this is a new game for him, and he already has a, a cachet of... of yeah, quite a statement he released, by the way, huh? I, yeah. I, I, I love it. I think this, this is incredibly intriguing. This, this is what, I mean, fantasy sports are kind of all about, and this is just playing out in real life. But uh, I, I don't... Again, I, I imagine a lot of these guys have their some sort of deal or they're working on some sort of deal, but I do wonder with some of these bigger names of what is the value because this is interesting because we can just take him i mean the, the value of we can just take him yeah how much is that worth to vegas to give up and say okay well okay guess we won't well i have a known commodity that if i want him he's mine he's on my team next year what do you have to give up and is it just going to be draft picks alone i know mcphee said you cannot have you can never have too many draft picks you can have too many draft picks. At a certain point, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, and when you look at, like, a guy like Sammy Votnin, who I think everybody assumes is one of those guys where Anaheim probably has a deal in place, like, 
if I'm looking at this right, if I'm remembering right, Anaheim doesn't even have a first-round pick this year. So do you want Anaheim's first-round pick next year or their second-round pick this year? Or do you just want Sammy Votnin if you're Vegas? I mean, at a certain point, you don't have to make a deal with a team. And not only yeah, that. Oh, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. No, oh, well, just, I was just going to say, that's just one of the many fascinating facets of the expansion draft to me. There's just not a lot of precedent to draw on. So it's, there's so much unexpected or, or unknown right now. It's just impossible to forecast what's going to go down over the next couple of days. And it's not, it's not it's like Vegas can't then trade those players. What's to say Vegas says, you know what, now we don't like the deal Anaheim's giving us. We're going to take Vatten in, and maybe we flip him at the deadline. Maybe we trade him midseason. I mean, there, there are so many options there. I, just, I, I have a hard time believing, unless the goal is to acquire as many picks as possible for two, three, and four years down the road because they're not even going to pretend they're going to compete next year, which, by the way, they shouldn't because they won't, then I, I don't see where you're going to get equal value. I don't, I don't see where you're going to say they're, they're going to give you, unless they're going to say, oh, we'll give you a young prospect, maybe. We think we fancy ourselves a cup contender and we're willing to give up a prospect versus somebody that's on our main roster. But aside from yeah. that, I don't see a reason why you would take anything except buku first-round picks for top talent. Is that yeah, and that's that's where I'm at too. Sammy Botton in particular is a great example of that. I, I, if Sammy Botton's available, and I don't have to give up anything for him, I'm taking Sammy Botton because that's the kind of player you are looking for to build your team around. Yeah, if Vegas comes out of this and their top defensive pairing is Sammy Votnin and, and Matthew Dumba. I mean, that's a pretty good way to start an expansion team because they're both so young, too. Exactly, and I think the other interesting element of this whole thing is how many side deals do they have in place with other teams if they take certain players? What's the stop? Yep. Arizona, for example, just because we talked about their need for a defenseman, to say, what, well, what's Anaheim? What are you going to give? Uh, you know, what's Anaheim offering you to not take Votnin? We'll give you this, this, and this to take him and trade him to us. Yeah, I mean, Arizona has more, just if we're using Arizona and Anaheim as the, as the examples, Arizona has more prospects and picks to offer than Anaheim yeah, does. Anaheim won't trade within the division. George McPhee didn't say that. Yeah. Also, do we know what are they in the Pacific yes, next year? That's been decided, right? Yes. So yes. McPhee, McPhee didn't say that. So what stops them from a team saying, "Well, it's easier to negotiate with McPhee than it is to negotiate with the Ducks." So what, if you take him, we have this deal. I mean, there's so many options available that the NHL is not only allowing, but it's basically welcoming with this expansion draft. What do you think? You know, if you're George McPhee right now, what what would your process be in these next couple of days leading up to Wednesday? Because we talk about, oh, you can make a side deal with this team, but then this other team might come along and, and beat that side deal, and so all of a sudden it changes your, your view on one player. But he, George McPhee and that front office have to piece this all of these deals together. Like It's not like they just choose, do we take this deal with Minnesota or this deal with the Coyotes? It's do we take package A that has these seven deals tied together or package B? I mean, this it, it's a ton of fun, like Jamie's saying. I would love to, to do something like this, but at the same time, it's, it's complicated these next 48 hours. Yeah, I, I, I can't even give you insight into that process. That would be, as a journalist, that would be a fascinating story to write after the fact, to talk to McPhee about all the different combinations and all the things he was considering while constructing this roster. Yeah, and there's, there's, maybe that's something friend of the show Steve Karp will write. Uh, for, and if he does, we'll definitely have him on the show again to talk about that. It would be it, cool. It's fascinating. If they gave somebody You're access. putting that out there, Steve. Yeah, yeah, put, yeah, I didn't mean to put put, put the spotlight there on Steve uh, for this, but put so, the, so get the on, on him. But it, it, to me, it just it's, it's incredibly fascinating, and it's also it, this also goes back to the personal element too. What is the agreement or understanding between McPhee and Foley? 
What, what is the goal here? Is there an understanding from ownership and from the GM that we are looking at this as a five to seven year contendership window? Or in their mind, is this a three year window? Because that affects what you do. If, if, if McPhee knows as much as you could know that I'm on solid footing for five to seven years, it changes what types of players, how many picks, what the age of the players are that you can acquire in these deals. If you're expected to have some sort of at least wildcard contention in three years, it limits what you can do with prospects and, and draft picks because you're going to have to, for your own job, McPhee is going to have to make moves to be a little bit more competitive, probably a little sooner than their actual window for competitiveness is open. I would think the, the, the focus, and, and look, he said this essentially, George McPhee did, he, the, you know, the focus is on draft picks, at, at least in, in that regard, where if he's going to make a deal, he wants draft picks for the most part. Uh, I would be focusing on prospects, or if you could get players that were essentially exempt from the uh, the expansion draft, but if you could get one of them in a trade or something, I'd certainly be looking at that. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have good goaltending right out of the gate. That's pretty much inevitable. They're going to. It sounds like they're definitely going to take Mark Andre Fleury, but there's a ton of other goalies that are pretty good available in this uh, expansion draft as well. So I think that there's. There's a fine line where you can be competitive, not in the sense that you're competing for a cup right out of the gate, but you're a team that's not going to finish last in the league, and yet the focus still has to be on stockpiling picks. Picks, prospects, and guys that are only in their second year in the league. I mean, that's the goal, but when you do that, you can't miss because these guys are your foundation going forward. You don't have any star players that you can fall back on if you miss with one of these. And, and when you're also looking at, too, if you're McPhee, and there's got to be in the back of your mind because this is sports and this is a cutthroat business. This is a lot of effort, a lot of work. You have the ability to mold the direction of your franchise. You want to be around to reap the rewards yeah. of it. And yeah. again, it's knowing that solid footing has an impact on everything else that you do because you can take a really long-term approach that probably puts you in the better position five years down the line, but you got to be sure you're still going to be the GM five years down the line to see those benefits. I would think as an expansion GM, you probably have some sort of assurance that you're you're on a, a pretty long leash. I mean, again, if the team's 31st next year and 31st the year after and boring, then then there's issues. But if you're just if you're a team that's you know you finish with you get the eighth pick next year in the draft and then maybe the next year you show a little improvement, I think you've got a leash. You would think, but mentalities change after you lose for three four, five consecutive seasons. It's a little bit different. For, it should be different for an expansion franchise. But things change. The way the franchise looks changes. The way people think about it changes. And you start to get the rumblings. I'm just saying, because I, I think you could look at this as, does he want, and, and we'll get a, a better understanding once everything is finalized, of where do they see their actual playoff window? Do they see it in the three or four year range? Do they see it in the five to seven year range? And I think we'll see that based on, the types of players that they select, the type of players they don't select, and the types of trades they make. All right, so on to the other big story this week. It's a very busy week of hockey. I mean, even even without the breaking news coming into the show today, and now you have the expansion draft and the award show, there's the NHL draft, which is only a couple days away. That's where Craig is going Friday. The boring draft. Saturday, yeah. Regular draft. It just it feels like it's <laughs> years away right now, and it's it's four days away. Uh, right now, it is feeling anticlimactic as well. Doesn't it? Okay, so Craig, do you expect trades during the draft too, or is that all going to be thrown off now because of the expansion draft? I don't know. I assume there will be some trades on the draft floor, but maybe they'll be made ahead of time. I, I don't know. Like I said, there are so many variables attached to this year because of the expansion draft. 
I just don't know what to forecast at this point. My normal assumption would be there would be trades on the draft floor, though. Let's, uh, let's give people kind of a quick preview. We're not going to sit here and, and do a, a mock draft because I know how Craig feels about mock drafts, and we're not going to sit here <laughs> and break down all these prospects because we've only seen some of them. Uh, but just for anybody out there that really hasn't you know, taken a, a dive into this year's draft yet, it's pretty clear who the top two picks are going to be. We just don't know the order. They're both centers, Nolan Patrick out of Brandon of the WHL and Nick Ohishir uh, of Halifax of, of the Q. That's two centers right there. Uh, Nolan Patrick seems like more of the the 200 foot player, whereas Heeshear seems to maybe have more offensive upside. But that's chances are going to be picks by New Jersey and Philadelphia. So add some more quality centers to the Metro Division. Yeah, that, that's, we don't want to get into the draft lottery again, do we? <laughs> nah, <laughs> we don't need to. Which which two teams did you just say? New Jersey and Philadelphia. Hey, okay. Philadelphia only had one 10 game winning streak last year. I don't know what you're complaining about. That's true, yeah. They, they did only finish 40 points ahead of Colorado, so I get that. And this is the least interesting Philadelphia draft news of the week. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's the truth, yeah. yeah. Hey, Nick Cousins, by the way, wow. Yeah, we okay, didn't even, we didn't even talk. Yeah, or, or his uh, sordid past, wow. I, uh, I gave that's, it as much time as I think it deserves. <laughs> okay. All right, so but, I mean, In terms of those top two guys, first off, I mean, with Nolan Patrick, to me, it's about... I guess it's about how people, yeah, like you said, they're, they, they're maybe adding a dynamic player. Um, but Nolan Patrick, I think a lot of it will center around his injury history. Are people concerned enough about that that they're not going to take him number one? I think that'll be a, a major factor in that decision. When you get past those top two, to me, this is where things get interesting, it, just in the sense that the last couple of years we've had a fairly good feel for the order right near the top of the draft within, within reason. Maybe a guy drops a spot or moves up a spot. But after you get past these top two, it seems to be wide open in, in the sense that you, can, you, you find mock drafts or scouting lists that have Gabriel Velarde third, and then you'll find other lists that have him going 11th. I mean, that, that, there's that much range. But what I'm seeing in the top ten, and you guys can correct me if you've seen otherwise, I'm seeing a lot of centers and then a couple defensemen and really only one wing in, in almost yeah. all of these top tens. And I, I think that's how the drafts normally play out, right? I, I think the center position tends to get maybe overvalued in the NHL because they're so important to success. So, yeah, I think that, that that's a, the way that this is going to play out. Some of those guys probably aren't going to pan out uh, the way these teams think they are going to. But again, they get, they get overvalued. Um, yeah, a couple defensemen in there, and then of course the one wing you talk, you're talking about is Owen Tippett, who some people believe might end up being the most dynamic player in this draft. A, a big power forward who can skate, who can score. So that that one will be interesting to watch because he falls just a little bit in this draft, maybe around where the Arizona Coyotes are in the draft. Yeah, and, and by all accounts might be the best offensive weapon in this draft. Craig, before we let you go and get back on the road, just one last quick question. If you are, uh, if you're Vegas here and you're picking six, you're probably not getting a player that's going to step in and play for you next year anyway. Is, is there a specific direction you're going there in terms of position, or is that a team that might just take Owen Tippett and say, give us the goal scorer? Well, again, going back to what Jamie and I have been saying all along, I think that depends on the myriad other moves that Vegas makes to the expansion draft, through trades, that'll probably guide what they do in this draft, and I have no idea what George McPhee's plan is, so I really can't even answer that. No, I was really hoping you'd have a detailed answer with, with, <laughs> with all of his moves that you found in, like, a gas station in Indiana or something. All right, we'll let you get, uh, 
We'll let you make the rest of this trip to, to Chicago. Thanks for calling in, and we will, uh, I don't know, when are we, we going to see you again at any point? Ever? Well, I'll, I'll be home at some point, I hope. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, <laughs> but that... it won't be for a while. So okay. I'll be doing this podcast remotely for, for a while. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Craig. All right, guys. See you. All right, so that's Craig Morgan. He's coming back at some point. We just don't know when and until he comes back i have more room over here at the studio desk so it kind of worked out nicely for me yeah about to say you you got spacious over there i can wave my arms a lot when i talk which is obviously something i like to do uh last note on the draft locally the coyotes set to pick seventh and 23rd and hopefully they don't (laughs) and and jamie wants them to trade both of them or one of them both of them if, if it involves a deal that is returns a good enough player to move both of them or multiple deals to move both if they use all of their draft picks at the top of the draft, they, it will be a failure. The Martin Hansel trade will be a failure. It, it, this, there's no other way to talk about that. And yes, I understand the value of having certain first-round picks, but at some point you need a tangible player to put on your roster. you yeah. got to feel the hockey team or ice the hockey team. It, it worked out well last year because you get Keller and, and Chikrin, who are both guys with legitimate star power, but... But two guys that fell. And, and if that happens this year, and you ha- again, I don't know Chaika's board. I'm not studying these prospects 24-7 like the teams are. If there is somebody that says, that's our guy, we need to get him, then you get him. But from an outsider's point of view, I don't see that player as of there right now. I don't see a Nolan Patrick falling to six because of injury concerns <laughs> or be seven quite, because quite of injury the, concerns. The so I, I think at this point you're looking to move those assets to get a tangible player. Maybe maybe it's a part of a, a Stepan deal. Maybe it's part of a deal for a player that we're not even talking about. Maybe it goes to Vegas so they can get back-to-back picks and it's part of a deal of somebody that they pluck off of somebody else's roster. That would be interesting. Which I think, I think is a possibility. This is not, I'm not reporting that. I'm no, just no, saying no. I, I, there are so many scenarios here that I think we're not even thinking about that comes across with, with Vegas selecting this team. I, I just They need to be active. And, and according to Craig, as he said on the show, and according to other reports, Who? they have yeah, uh, Craig Moore, Morgan. Morgan. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing okay. that incorrectly. Uh, I don't know if you know. Is he just back to a special guest of the show? He's not going to listen to this we'll, anyway. We'll see. I, have to, I have to push back because uh, I always get made fun of when I'm not on the show. Oh, that's all Craig. I've got to push back me. a little yeah. bit. But, again, if they end up using all these picks, it'll be a failure. And I guess the other thing I wonder is, I don't think it's possible to trade into the top two. I'm kind of with you in the sense that, like, if, if you're going to use all these picks, then you're going to have to trade other prospects because you just don't have enough room for all these guys. If they were able to trade into the top two, that would intrigue me. I don't think that will be possible, but at the same time, you have a team in Philadelphia that doesn't necessarily need a, a, one of those two centers as much as they might need a couple other pieces. And then you have a team in New Jersey that needs Nolan Patrick, but they also need, like, nine other things. If you could flood them with prospects and picks, maybe they'd be interested. Yeah, I don't see a fit there with either. But if they were able to, it changes the story a little bit. But then you can try to move your, your other pick in the first round, in the 20s. All right, so on to the award show, which is uh, where we will be driving to tomorrow. And I will be bringing my ID this year. Yes, you bring your ID, and all of your ribs are mostly intact. <laughs> mostly. There was an incident uh, over the... Uh, for those who don't know, every time Luke goes to Las Vegas for the NHL awards, some calamity ensues either directly before or during the event. No, it's always before for the most part. Like two years ago, I went with you. I broke my ribs playing hockey four days before we left. Uh, this year, I injured my ribs playing hockey, but they're not nearly as bad as they were. And, of course, last year when I went up there with Craig, I simply forgot my ID, which let me tell you, 
Vegas is a great place to be without an ID. Lovely. You can literally do nothing. <laughs> literally. You can't even get coffee because you need the ID to pay with the credit card and whatever. All right, so on to the award show. Uh, let's just – we don't need to go through all of the, of the, uh, the awards, but the, the major ones. It's going to be held at T-Mobile Arena, correct? Yes. Am I blurring yeah. everything no, together? No, no, okay. it'll be at, It'll be at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, so actually, I look at the FanRag Sports Twitter and Instagram accounts, but at FanRag Sports – uh, for just various pictures from Luke and I, and then we're going to write stuff, and it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time. Usually get good interviews, too. Last year when me and Craig went up, at, you know, the media availability on Tuesday, they won't all be stories about just awards. Like last year, They probably remember, won't be because those, those aren't the interesting those stories, are, yeah. to be frank. Last year I remember talking to Drew Doughty about just the situation with L.A. switching captains basically right before the awards uh, show and Eric Carlson was very insightful last year because he and Drew Doughty both talked a lot this is before the uh, Norris was handed out uh, about which style of of defenseman is more conducive to winning the Norris trophy and they both said look if you switch us to different teams you know Drew Doughty might be more offensively minded in Ottawa and Carlson might be more defensively minded in LA because that's the roles they'd be asked to play so you, you just you have really good access to the best players in the league and usually some good stories come out of that. Hart Trophy, I guess may as well just start right there. Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Sergei Bobrovsky are the finalists. I will toss this out there, too. Good luck finding just a list of finalists online. Everybody makes you, like, dig and you know give you all of your personal information, your address. I will say that I did, did find one, NHL.com. And, again, very rarely that NHL.com does anything correct. Uh, <laughs> Tell but me how you really feel. If you go to NHL.com slash fans slash NHL dash awards dash event. They have a nice little graphics for each of the nominees for each one, and you can see the graphics with their names and the picture of the trophy if you're so inclined. So I didn't have to sit here and hand type this all out this morning? No, like you I didn't. Did. Just but, you know, but I'm glad that you did. Yeah, no, that's um, obviously so very important. So we, we could just cross out Bobrovsky's name, right? Like, this, that's not even remotely a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be McDavid. Right? Yeah, it's, it's going to be McDavid. I wouldn't be... Again, blown away if it was Sidney Crosby, but it's going to be McDavid. Crosby's better than McDavid. He had a better year, but McDavid is living up to expectations. And if he gets it, it's not like he didn't earn it. You know what I mean? So I just feel like he's got it. Here's the deal. This is where you give McDavid the hard and you let, you know, again, and this is a player association thing, which you give Crosby like the Lindsay. Yeah. We'll just call it a day. And they both were spectacular. They're both very good. I don't have an issue with either of them winning it. And you got to remember, none of these awards are based at all on the playoffs. It's all just regular season. Correct. So. As you have to continually remind everybody that there are literally zero awards in sports that are these major MVP awards that are that include the postseason. Yet still, it continues to be a topic of conversation on social media for all sports. <laughs> Jamie, I think this should be your goal. You could probably accomplish it. in the Be next a nicer person. Week. Nah. No, 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 no. Don't do that. The world needs less nice people. Uh, try and fix all of social media by, like, Friday. if you. Yeah, can. I'll get on that. Okay, thank you. Uh, the Jack Adams. I don't know why I put them in this order, but this is the order we're going in. Okay, sure. I'll just scroll down the page to the non-important awards. <laughs> Mike Babcock, John Tortorella, who should win, and Todd McClellan. It should be Tortorella. Yeah, so uh, he's done a masterful job there. He's, he's very uh, brash, arrogant. Set in his ways, but he's a damn good hockey coach, and he turned and he did with Columbus what we expected him to do last year. Let's play a fun game here. Uh, let's see what Columbus finished this year with 108 points. So uh, look, I'm not trying to take away from what Mike Babcock did in Toronto, although he got a nice boost adding Austin Matthews that he had nothing to do with, 
and they snuck into the playoffs. Columbus had one of the best records in all of hockey after being one of the worst teams in the in league last year. Incredibly difficult division. And uh, Todd McClellan did a great job in Edmonton, too. So here's the fun game, Jamie, since we'll both be sitting there when they hand out the sheets that, that shows where everybody was ranked. When they announce Babcock or McClellan yeah. as the winner? No, when they announce Babcock as the winner, what's, what's going to happen? Okay. I, in my mind, he's the least deserving of those three. Correct. Tortorella will finish third, correct? Yes. Okay. And that's incorrect. I, I just want to talk about something for a second. Okay. Uh, Sorry, name don't Mike, let me interrupt. Name Mike Babcock's top center. Well, yes, it's Austin Matthews. Okay. Name Tom McClellan's top center. It's Connor McDavid. Name John Tortorella's top well, center. Well, I can't do that because he doesn't have one. Okay. Yeah. That, that isn't a microcosm is, yes, they, all, they deserve some credit, but they have franchise-changing centers that were plopped into their lap. Yes, absolutely. John Tortorella does not. Toronto went from 69 points to 95. It's a nice jump. But again, they, had, they, were, they were handed Austin Matthews. They were handed Mike Austin Matthews. Mike Babcock deserves credit. I'm not, but there's a difference between, hey, you should be in the picture versus, hey, you should win it. And to me, I look at the team that had the least, that should have, should have had the least going for it, that had the most success. Columbus made a 32-point jump in the toughest division in hockey. Correct. Uh, so, yes, Jamie and I are in agreement on this and one. And regardless of the narrative and regardless of what they did with Washington, Columbus was more of a cup contender than Toronto was. Oh, or, Ed, or Edmonton was. Tortorella won't win because he doesn't coach in Toronto. And he's, and, mean, and he's mean to, to reporters. Yeah, he's angered so many media members over the years that this is going to be the great side of voting. The guy who's the most deserving. Has don't, don't worry, Vancouver's been great without him. <laughs> shooting up the charts. By the way, when when you saw the uh, list of exposed players come out on God, everything's a blur now. That was Sunday, correct? Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah, Vancouver's list of players that the Vegas can pick from pass. I, you I mean you have to take somebody, I guess. But look, I I know they're like the Coyotes Fill list. Fill out is, your AHL team. Is, is, is kind of thin, but then you look and you're like, oh, the Coyotes have like nine exempt players that are all yeah. playing. And the Coyotes at least have two legitimate NHL players that could start for Vegas next yes. year. Yes. And Brad Richardson and Jamie McGinn. Vancouver, I'm not really sure who they protected. And then you look up and down their list and you're like, oh, this is Vegas. And Gons to is get available. Gons, like... yes. <laughs> Gons is the guy. It has to be the guy. All right. Now to the Norris Trophy. Just bouncing all around here. This one's uh, a fun one this year. This is a fun one, but there's one clear answer. Victor Hedman, Brett Burns, Eric Carlson are your finalists. It's Eric Carlson. Brett, it, was, it was going to be Brent Burns up until he forgot about the final month of the season. Yeah, I mean, that was a key month of the season. Victor right. Hedman continues to still be the most underrated player in professional hockey. I like to see his and name I on And I really this hope he, he wins eventually. It, I like to see his name on this list, at least, because it seems like people are kind of starting to realize. He's elite. He's not good. He's an elite defenseman, and he will win this award at some point. But with Eric Carlson's improvement on defense and his just, again, generational talent offensively, he gets the nod for me. Wait, are you saying that, that he will win or he should win? Both. Okay, I think Burns might actually still win. I'm with you, the Carlson should. It depends on how early people send in their ballots. I, but I, I do think Burns fading as, as heavily as he did down the stretch. Now, again, for these awards, it's always, in all sports, it's always more important to start strong than finish strong. Yeah, which makes no sense at all. We've, it should be but the we've, we've seen this because people make up their minds. I'm going to call it the Carson Wentz effect. There's, the, there's my cross-sport reference. Wow. Let's not remember that Carson Wentz absolutely sucked for 12 weeks, but he was really good for the first four, so we've already in our mind made the narrative that he's a good player. Your second cross-sport reference, and they both had to do with the city of Philadelphia. Is there something you want to tell us? 
Well, we brought in a new Philly person on FanRag Sports. Did There's we? a lot of Philly coverage now. Interesting. Okay. Jeff Mosier. So, Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Mosier NFL. If you're so inclined for Philadelphia sports, do it. And if you're not, all right, whatever. It's, it's your call. Football season's coming up, and Philadelphia sports are always fun to follow just for the, the sheer comedic value. Vesna Trophy. Sergey Bobrovsky, Braden Holtby, Carey Price. I'm going to assume that since Bobrovsky is a Hart Trophy finalist, he's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy. Should and will Bobrovsky. Back to your Norris uh, conversation, too. You're right. I feel like a lot of people Damn, said, you, say, say it again. Said, no, no, no. I was talking to that person out there in the, uh, in the office. I feel like a lot of these people make up their mind on who's going to win in, like, January. Like, Connor, again, Connor McDavid, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to win. People had decided he had won before Christmas. Yes. So if that's the same case with the Norris Trophy, Brent Burns is going to win that because he was phenomenal in the first really the first 80% of the season. I think it'll be close to the top. I think it'll be a very few points as they have the little point system between Carlson and Burns at the top, and then a significant gap down to Hedman. Is there anybody on these first few awards I've read off that you feel like should have been there that, that wasn't listed? I don't have a problem with any of the finalists. Not so really. I, I think you, know, you can always make a case against the third option on all of these, but I mean, I thought Hedman deserved to be in that picture. We typically see a goaltender in the MVP conversation a lot. Usually it's been Carey Price. Yeah. But, I mean, Bobrovsky had a good enough season for a good enough team and was really, uh, I mean, a humongous reason why they made the jump that they did. I, I don't feel like there's a massive oversight here that I went, oh, man, I can't believe this guy's not one of the finalists. I wrote the story for uh, FanRag last week just in terms of which team is most poised to be like Nashville next year. And the team I came up with was Columbus. Is that... Uh would you agree with that? I mean, there's a few teams that have elements of it, but Columbus has the no real superstar, and yet they have great goaltending, and they were good this year, so they maybe can make a run in the playoffs next year. I can see that, but the reality is is Nashville was the new Columbus with you better defensemen. That this is the, I said before, this is the Columbus team we expected there to be last year, but let's talk about two seasons ago, Columbus. They had very Nashville-like elements to them, and I... I didn't make this exact comparison in the preseason, but there was kind of a thought in the back of my head was Nashville is built with souped-up-on defense version of what Columbus had had success with a couple years ago and what we thought they would be last year before they turned into a puddle of themselves. Uh, I, I, I can see Columbus still being a contender. I don't necessarily think that they're Nashville because I don't think they're – I think there are – maybe they're not anymore because Nashville went to the Cup. But I think if we looked at this just on the regular season, there's still a half a step ahead of where Nashville was at the end of the regular season in terms of where they should be in their ascent. Yeah. And if Columbus was in Nashville situation, maybe they don't beat Chicago. But maybe Chicago isn't just, quite frankly, ain't that good anymore. And that's definitely a very, very big possibility. I can't make that jump yet. But, but I haven't seen a whole lot lately. And, well, they're not, I, don't, I can't see a way they're better next year, at least on paper. But we'll see what ends up happening here in Vegas. But – you know, probably without Kruger, maybe without Panarin, maybe without Anisimov. Oh, we didn't have Craig on long enough to talk about the uh, the salary cap going up a little bit. I, I feel like I mean, it'll help a little. He's but tap dancing somewhere in Oklahoma right now. A little, but but so I don't I don't know if I had to pick the t- next team to be the the next Nashville. It's Calgary. Okay, that was I had four teams. I had one from each division. Calgary was my team from the Pacific, uh, and I think Calgary's in a situation where they they should have their center situation is odd to me. Because it should be better than it is on paper, but I don't feel like, wow, 
I can't believe uh, – there's no way you're going to stop Sam Bennett and Sean Monahan when they come to town. But, and, you know, to your point, that's what people were probably saying about Nashville a year ago at this time. It should be better with Ryan Johansson, but it's not overwhelming, and yet he took a step this year, and he's a young player. Maybe Monahan takes a step next year. And, you, and he could, and Monahan's had success before as – maybe this isn't the best app because Ryan Johansson had success before and kind of slipped a little bit, and Monahan, same deal. Sam Bennett, we'll still see the jury still out on what he can be, but we know Goudreau's a star. They have a goaltender now in Calgary. Yeah, see, when I wrote that, it was even before they had Smith. But And they also have three pretty much stud defensemen in Brody, yeah, Giordano, TJ and Yeah, TJ Brody's Hamilton. very underrated. Mark Giordano uh, is a very good player. Ducky Hamilton's a superstar. Uh, so I, I think that's actually the more apt comparison for what Nashville could be. And I think as we're starting to see the, the powers start to uh, go upside down, topsy-turvy in the West yeah. of – the old guard and the new guard, I think Calgary and Nashville are going to be contenders for some time here, barring a massive catastrophic injury to one of their best players. How about this? Calder Trophy, Patrick Laine, Austin Matthews, Zach Wierenski. Uh, let me think about this one yeah. for a second. Uh, Austin Matthews. Uh, we're going through these, and I, I don't feel like it's it's this way every year, but those first five awards, I, I feel like we probably know who's going to win four of them. I don't want Patrick Laine's great season to be lost in this conversation because he had an unbelievable phenomenal season in relative uh, in relative uh, anonymity yeah. because of where he plays he had a phenomenal season austin matthews was from literally drop of the puck of the season was the best rookie in the nhl four goals against not the ottawa opening night yeah patrick line had a great season he's gonna have a great career if you don't want his career to get lost in the shuffle Winnipeg at some point should probably trade for a goalie, and this is the summer to do it. So if the Jets are ever going to make a push to uh, make a run with the the talent they have up front now with Mark Scheifele and Patrick Laine and Nikolai Ehlers and pretty good defense, uh, this would be the summer for Winnipeg to go out there and get – they should be making a deal a goaltender. with Vegas. Desperately. So we'll see. Desperately. And we didn't talk about this in the Vegas part with Craig, but I'm very intrigued by what Vegas ends up doing with their goaltending situation because I would take as many as possible and look to move, especially for the younger guys. Maybe you don't take a Luongo because if you can't move him, you're, you're stuck with a contract situation. But maybe they say, okay, we're, we're confident in Flurry and Grubauer, which I think are going to be their two goalies that's on their what main I, would do I think that's their two goalies on their main roster starting next season. But Ronta's out there, Mrazic's out there, and Mrazic's the interesting name to me that I think they might take and flip. Carter Hutton's out there, too, which I know a lot of people Ronta's love. Ronta's out there. Uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of different... What, what would your your uh, your max be, though? I mean, you can't take nine goalies, so would you stop at, like, I, four I would take I would take Fleury and Grubauer, and those are my guys. Okay. I would take Morazic for sure, and then either one of, of Hutton or Ronta or one of those guys in the middle tier, because I think you can maybe flip them. Oh, this goes back to some of those under-the-table deals. Maybe those, that stuff's already in place. Hey, we're... X team, we need a goaltender. We want Peter Morazic. Draft him for us, and we'll trade you this. Yeah, though I mean, there's teams like Winnipeg and now the Coyotes. These players that all these goalies that were exposed should end up on those teams. They shouldn't all just be back on their old teams. When, when we're in Winnipeg, or excuse me, when we're in Vegas, I don't ever plan on wow, being in Winnipeg. Okay, hold on. Let's just think about what you just. I don't said. ever plan on being. In I, Winnipeg. I won't bring my ID to Winnipeg. Remind me to put a futures bet down next season on Winnipeg Jets to win the Cup at whatever their odds are okay. because they won't have a goalie yet, and when they do, they're going to be a borderline Cup contender in the West. That's, that's my they, bold statement. That's assuming they get a goalie. That's what I said, assuming. But you know what? I'm the, but the, once they do, their odds will go 
will get worse. All right, fine. I'm I will, thinking ahead. I'll I'm thinking there's no way. That. There's no way you can look at that franchise going into this season and going with that same goaltending situation. There's just there, there, there's no logical way to explain it. You're 100% right, but sometimes logic doesn't uh, roll out in these situations. Uh, the last couple trophies, uh, what, there's the, uh, the Masterton. I think pretty clearly Craig Anderson's going to win that. The Messier yes. leadership is up in the air with Ryan Getzlaff, Mark Giordano, Nick Foligno. Secretly hoping it's Getzlaff so the internet explodes. <laughs> chaos. All about chaos. Uh, the last two, these aren't the last two awards, but the last two we're going to talk about. The Lady Bing, the only reason I'm bringing up the Lady Bing is Vladimir Tarasenko and Johnny Gaudreau are two of the three finalists alongside Mikhail Granlund from Minnesota. Are we seeing a trend where, like, we can't get Tarasenko or Gaudreau one of the main awards, so we're just going to slide him in the Lady Bing because he had a great season and he didn't have a whole lot of penalty minutes, so this is at least our way of getting one of them an award. This is an extremely difficult award for beat writers to give out when they're not watching guys on a regular basis. Yes. And they're, they have to pick, so it's not like they're doing this, oh, we want – but it, it's a really difficult award. You have to talk to a lot of different people. It's just – there's a lot of little things that you look at. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's, oh, let's look at uh, PIMS and just reverse sort it and see, oh, well, that's a good player that has no penalty minutes. Yeah. You're my pick. That's when Ryan O'Reilly had like two minutes a yeah. couple years ago, and he had a good year too. Similar, obviously a more prestigious award, I think most people would agree, the Selkie Trophy. I think this is another one where you really need to watch these players more than just a little bit on the highlights on, on NHL Network. Yeah. But Patrice Bergeron is permanently a finalist. But he can win. He can win it every single year for the next ten years, and I'm not going to have a problem. With nobody it. can complain. But he's usually there with Anze Kopitar and Jonathan Taves. This year, it's Miko Koivu and Ryan Kessler. Deserved for both, by the way, because they've so. both been very, very strong two way players for a very, very long time. I don't think ever got the recognition for it. Kessler mostly because he's a pest. Oh, but yeah. he, I mean, we talked about this when we did the playoff preview. I wanted to – the money matchup to me was put Ryan Kessler head-to-head with Connor McDavid. McDavid's got him on speed and skill, but Ryan Kessler is an elite defensive player, and I think he actually would be my pick to, to win this on the should, but Bergeron will win it. And going back to that series, I mean, McDavid was – he was fine, but he wasn't Connor McDavid. It was Lionel no, Dreisaitl that was the and, But McDavid had times where he got the bat. I thought that was a fairly even matchup between the two, but one of the teams won. And one of the teams had when McDavid wasn't that great, so you give the slight edge to Kessler in that. Yeah, anytime you can hold McDavid down to just being above average or pretty good, you've uh, you've done your job, and Ryan Kessler did that. So those are the main awards. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, we were going to do the show as we drove to Vegas, maybe sit down and do it from like Kingman, Arizona, but we couldn't do that and still have Craig on the phone. So that uh, that's and also why I don't really. Good. I mean, uh, apologies to all of our listeners in Kingman, oh boy. but I would prefer not to spend any more time in Kingman than the gas station stop and then get on the freeway to go off by that, like, Tri-City Hotel. and just that's, that's good. You're so close at that point to Vegas. Well, yeah. Like, you don't want to stop and, no. and just mill around the, the lovely bashes You've and Arby's that are on that road, main road in Kingman. Point. Yes, okay, that's fair. Uh, we don't have a fan rag studio in Kingman where we could have stopped. No, you know what? Uh, I don't think that's in the budget for right now, but I'll look into it. Okay, good. So next week when we do the show, we will we'll know the draft. We'll know the expansion draft. We'll know all the craziness. We'll be getting set for free agency. And Craig still won't be back, but he will be on the phone from wherever he is next week on his world tour. Yes, the, the Craig Morgan world tour continues. Follow him on Twitter, at Craig S. Morgan, since now I know that's exactly what it is, even though I just kind of randomly guessed. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how – don't, don't, don't look at me to end this. I started the show. I'm not going to end it. Okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping in as the closer right here for Craig Morgan in 
let's say he's in Kentucky right now. Sure. Somewhere that's not somewhere between here and Chicago that's neither here nor Chicago. For Jamie Eisner, who's soon to be on his way to Winnipeg slash Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean it's a common mistake everybody makes. <laughs> Winnipeg's kind of the Vegas. I, I, of the I North. you know, you stand on the strip in Las Vegas and you know what? If I didn't know any better <laughs> If I, I thought I'm on the corner of Portage and Maine in Winnipeg. If I turn slightly, this could be Winnipeg. Are those really streets in Winnipeg? Do you know them? I, I, I don't know. Oh. I believe they are. I believe that is actually the main intersection. Wow. Okay, I'm finding out something new. For Craig and Jamie, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.